Welcome to Supply Chain Radio. This is Greg Kiefer. I'm joined in the studio today by John Nadvernick, and we're going to talk a little bit more about supply chain visibility. John, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Greg. Thanks for having me back. I appreciate the lack of furniture change, but at some point, I'm looking for that upgrade. Yes, yes. John, you- Big lazy boy. You know- What a you fridge. Know, the, the studio's here. We, we run on a lean budget, so you're just going to have to go with the furniture that I provide you. So, oh, man. You know, but maybe if we get our supply chain in order, we can get a better one. But let's talk a little bit about visibility today. We've been you and I have been bantering about this for a number of different episodes. And, you know, I feel like in your, you know, your day job, you're leading a product development team that's implementing supply chain visibility in very large corporate supply chains across industry verticals for big global companies. And I thought maybe we'd talk a little bit about some of the retail side of things. You know, retail has been getting a lot of press lately based on what Amazon's doing in e-commerce and how that's all changing. And you're out there in the field at some of the best known retail brands helping those guys, you know, deal with the new world order. And maybe we could talk a little bit about just some of the use cases and value things that are happening out there in that side of the, the world. Sure, we can go through that. Okay, so is there anything that they're all doing that that's common? Yeah, I mean, I think most, if you go back to say prior to the Long Beach West Coast port strikes, most companies were probably moving freight, you know, door to port on most of their ocean moves. That's going for most of our brand customers that, you know, that have storefront retail stores that are out there. We're all moving mostly door to port. One of the things that those customers realized is that when it was on the control of that contract from port to door, they were losing some aspects of visibility, even though we had visibility to it, that the amount of time it was sitting at the port was was rough. And they wanted to pull that back. So almost all retailers now are planning port to port, and then they're taking over the transportation from the port to their DCs or to their end customers. There's also the shift of going more a little bit more direct from a supplier directly to a store. That actually trend is quite interesting as of late. We could see most of our customers now doing a little more of that to be a little bit faster, especially on seasonal items like high fashion or something like that that are not really bulk-based product. Most of the bulk is still driving through the normal channels. A couple things to think about on that move that allowed some flexibility for our customers. By having that visibility from port to port and changing the method in which you do that, they can now change their allocation methods once it gets to destination. So they're no longer making store, they can shift what DCs they want based on trends and things like that because they're controlling that transportation and making that shift is a lot more flexible. That's giving a better inventory flow on their sides to meet the demands and getting product in the right place. The trend was probably dictated by something else, but now they've all adopting yet another trend in that area, which is being more flexible at destination on where product needs to go. More customers are taking freight that's that's supposed to go directly to, say, the East Coast and transloading and leaving it some behind and shifting that out there. That's been that's been interesting to work with customers make that shift. Right. Now, you've, you've made a statement previously on the show about, you know, really, when you talk, when you say supply chain visibility, you know, inventory is that kind of that core thing that you're monitoring. Right. You're always looking at the product. And if you think of retail and multi-channels and, you know, that and the notion of there being a single pool of inventory, right, that can go to a bricks and mortar channel or an e-commerce or, or whatever. Are you seeing cases now where retailers, you know, are using visibility to kind of get to that nirvana state, right, where if I order a lamp online or if I buy it at the store where their systems see it, 
it's one lamp and one supply chain and one piece of inventory? Or is it still somewhat fragmented? Or how do you see that? I still think it's fairly fragmented. Personally, from what I see, I don't see a lot of synergies there. I think customers are still working on it. But I don't think that's a limitation of visibility. I think that's a limitation of some backend systems. Right. The visibility solution can give it to you however you want and give you inventory across multiple locations or single locations. It doesn't make a difference. I think there's just the way they treat their business and their distribution models. There are some that have gone that way, but I still think predominantly the channels are still very much different. Some customers fulfill differently, right? Some will fulfill their e-commerce directly from store and some will fulfill directly from a DC. Some might fulfill as far back as directly from supplier. Right. And it depends on that channel and the market in which they can do that. And I think customers, when I think of when I think of omnichannel, which might not be the appropriate definition, I think it's actually I'm just going to fulfill product from wherever I have it. So it's not, you know, I don't need to have an e-commerce pool in it in a brick and mortar pool. I just need to have a pool of inventory and I can fill it. I think more customers are thinking of, you know, fulfilling not necessarily from a DC e-com, but being flexible on how they fulfill their e-coms from anywhere. Right. I hate to bring it up again and again, but Amazon definitely has got the retail world's attention these days. Do you see the Amazon effect increasing demand for visibility? These companies realize they must have supply chain visibility as that kind of that baseline enablement technology so that they can better compete with the new upstarts that are trying to disrupt them? Contemplating that one, Greg. I'm not sure I see it from that perspective. I think that might be where we work most of our areas are on an inbound supply side of that world to a distribution center, not so much on the fulfillment side. Mm -hmm. The thing where I, like I said earlier, where I think we're seeing more of the trend is where the fulfillment's happening, right? Where ultimately all our customers fulfill directly through stores or through, like you said earlier, a different e-commerce channel. I think what customers are doing with visibility and other solutions is being able to fulfill at any given point. So I know where it is and how do I fulfill it? Do I think they're all aligning towards, is visibility enabling that? I think there is a component of it that is, I think, but it's mostly still the way they distribute goods and how they try to model their supply chains. Right. Similarly to how I think what customers are trying to do is get more similar to the fulfillment models that exist in Amazon, which is I can fulfill from multiple places. And I think our customers are really trying to do that. I think those that have visibility have an easier hurdle than those who don't. Right. It's sort of a, become a prerequisite almost to compete. Because I think you want to know where product is, and I also think you want to know where it's going into. And I think the the interesting thing is that customers are looking more closely at how product is getting to their regions. So let's use regions as North America, Europe, or any however you want to define a region. How products go in there and monitoring that very closely. Once it gets it in region, how it gets fulfilled is you know however they can fulfill it. Whoever wherever they need to go, does it need to go to a DC? Does it need to go direct to store? Does it go to end consumer? The visibility component is helping them get it to when it needs to get to the in region, and then they're making some real good decisions about how to fulfill from inside that model. Right, Once it right. gets inside that region. Right. Now, you know, the other another aspect of, of retail, of course, is the seasonality dimension, right? Where they're having to change things up many times a year. And, you know, you hear about Zara as another great example of a company that came in with a very different model. And, you know, it's all about just changing things up constantly. I would assume that a lot of these retail customers that you deal with are also looking at that and how they can use visibility and technology to be more efficient at churning, if that's a word. Turning inventory, turning inventory, uh, resetting their stores, being more seasonable, adding more seasons. I don't know. What, I think uh, they might. I think most of our customers are adding more seasons. I think that's not a bad thing. Yeah. I think that's it. I, whether or not the Zara model works, because that's really that fast, 
fashion model. And depending upon the brand that you are, that you may or may not really subscribe to that type of structure. But I think what's interesting about that is the fulfillment model is a lot different on that model than what a lot of our customers do, which is mostly air. Very you know, consolidated, blast into a region, lots of lots of that stuff, lot costs, and really push it out the door. I think we have a set of customers that are looking at changing their distribution for certain parts of their product to work like that. But their general bulk product lines, I would say no. They're basically, you know, I got my my jeans and my jeans work every season. I'm That's not gonna right. change those much. So it's right. No need me for me to have it. But there are seasonality products, like you noted earlier, where I said they're move like you said, moving to more seasons where you basically move it faster into that region by going direct from supplier. Right. And in that case, I mean, you know, I guess the consumer, if you look at Zara or you look at Amazon, they're getting kind of spoiled, right? Where they can get anything they want and they want it, you know, they want it now or overnight. Right. Right. So it's sort of like endless, endless options and just epic supply chain performance is going to become more and more the norm as long as Amazon keeps going the way it is, right? As long as you can figure out how to keep costs down, I think that will be a total true statement. So I think when you look at the way the Amazon model with Prime and things like that, how much is that driving that model? And is customers going to adopt that structure to offset the cost of you know, right. distribution? Because really what, what it comes down to is cost component, right? Flying freight versus ocean is different than rail versus truck. They're two different models and two different cost structures. So time-based movements are gonna just cost you a little bit more. And you know, Amazon's got their prime to sit back on and collect some of that on there. Right. I, I don't know, I'll have to see how customers Yeah, well, out. I once heard a story, you know, you, you mentioned air being more expensive and that's how a lot of these, you know, rapid fulfillment models, you have to do it in air, it's high value product, et cetera. But if you had supply chain visibility in place, I mean, could you take a portion of your inbound volume and put it on a container ship it's going to move slowly, but it's almost like a virtual warehouse. You know, it's you've got somewhat assuredness that it's going to arrive within a certain window, but you don't need to air freight everything. You can, you know, fill the shelves, and then the you know the second and third waves could be on the slower mode, and the visibility just basically shows you where that stuff is. So it's on a ship as opposed to at a DC in in the region. Does you see any of that? Well, going so on? that's what that's what we talked about earlier, right? When we talked about how customers are shifting their market, and we talked about the Long Beach. I think that the advantage of changing, or the West Coast strikes, the advantage of changing the model allows customers to. But what what they did was not only change the way they buy transportation, but they changed the way they fulfill goods. So I might be slower underwater, but I'm faster on land. So instead of going rail, I'm going team truck. So yeah, it costs me a little bit more, but that's not the same as paying air from origin to my destination. I think customers have been looking at that fulfillment strategy, like you said, with using a lot more ocean and the visibility to hold it there, the timeliness of the information, knowing that it's going to accurately hit the port, but then shifting that to a different distribution model on the inbound side, I think is where most customers are going to go to kind of compete with that. And I think some have been very successful at that. Right, right. And one thing we haven't really touched on, but you know, it's a constant out there is the dreaded unexpected thing that happens, right? Whether it's a, a strike or a political unrest in a faraway country that you happen to source some shoe out of or whatever, right. visibility is allows you to kind of deal with that better, say, than if you found out via fax or an email, right? How you find out about the information is one thing. How you react to it is something different. I mean, if you wake up in the morning and there's news and I can log on to my, my phone or my laptop or whatever and say, wow, this is the amount of product I have that's disrupted, that's really what you want to get to so that you can make the communication. And visibility is really going to help you with that component. As we talked earlier, I think the news will be 
another interesting area later down the line, yeah. like a five-year view of the right. world. If you were to pick like the five or six things, the things that they look at in visibility to kind of get that assessment, what are they? Is it the is it an ETA? Is it a quantity? I mean, what, what are companies I mean, looking for, at? For disruption or what yeah, are they looking yeah, at? Yeah, for? for disruption. I mean, what are they looking at? Who's got it or what are some of They're the- They're looking uh, more only at a, at a location. So uh -huh. location's usually at whether it's status, so whether or not it's moving or not moving, you know, whether or not it's good. They may or may not, they might look at, you know, when it's shipped or when it's supposed to arrive. It's in, and then obviously the product or the brand that's being impacted by that. Those will be the main things. But locations usually, when you're dealing with something, it's mostly a location view. Come at it location, date comes second, then well, probably location, brand, then date. Right. Now, if we were to, to okay, do the dreaded let's look forward five years, are there things that you're getting asked for or about to add in to the technology you work on that's things that they're thinking about that they can't get to today that might trump location down the road or something? I still think location's always going to be – it'll always be the match criteria. It might not be the, the way to go after data. I think what customers want is they want us to tell them this is what's possibly going to be impacted by your disruption that we just learned about right. via, you know, a podcast or a blog or news or weather or some other event. I want you to tell me these are the 10 inventory items. So this is how much product I have at risk due to this condition, whatever it might be. I think that's what customers are asking us to do. They don't really want to have to research it. They want that stuff to be pushed to them right away. Right. Well, and ideally, maybe pushed to their partners that are handling it for them too, right? Where you, the partners have access to the same information, which yeah, is another correct. Dimension. If they're on the network, you can push the partners or however that may may work. But I think at the end, I think what everybody is looking for is for someone to tell them these are the things that are at risk for you. This is what you need to work on today as you work you. And I again, as we talked about earlier, I think if you look at the five years out, that's predominantly what people are going to be worried about. Just tell me. I wake up this morning. Tell me what's wrong. Right. And we can do that today on certain things around things being late or things being overshipped or undershipped. We can kind of give you that information today. We can't kind of, we can definitely give you that information today. It's now layering in a bunch of other information from different sources to give you that same view of the world. Right. The holistic view. Mm -hmm. Okay. Holistic view of inventory and the retail supply chain. That's that's a great closing statement. There you go. All right. We'll go holistically through that. All right. Well, John, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Greg. We'll be talking again. I'll, I'm going to you know, keep working on that studio furniture thing. I'm All right, really we'll sorry. Get, we'll get that. I'm looking for the lazy boy with the fridge. <laughs> that's right. That's right. This is Supply Chain Radio, and we are signing out. <laughs>